Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. Welcome back. All right, so now, how do vaccines work? Well, the way that vaccines work is we give a, the vaccine is given to you, and the body recognizes that, oh, I don't like that, and it's sort of, it's an enemy, and kind of like our military, it activates the part of the military that we need to kill this off. And so if we become practiced in an area of the world that there's snipers, what does our military do? It sends people who can kill snipers. If we're fighting a war in the water and there's submarines, we're going to send the Navy out and we're going to have them look for submarines. Well, that's what happens when we give vaccines because different parts of our immune system, which is our military for fighting off our enemies activate depending on what it is that is their enemy so we try to figure out what part of each illness is the enemy and as everybody's heard about this whole spike protein we made a vaccine out of the spike protein components of the covid vaccine because we could get to that and when the body is sees the spike protein, makes antibodies to those spike proteins, and then the next time a spike protein from the environment comes into our body in the form of this COVID vaccine, our military, our immune system is ready to kill it off. That's the basis of how vaccines work, whether it's an injection, whether it's something we take orally, whether it's a smallpox where they made a a smallpox sore on your arm so that your body saw it. The bottom line was it was exposed to that enemy and it knew what part of the army to activate the next time it saw it. So to, to jump in on your military analogy, there, there are two types of immune cells that are important in, ter- in terms of reacting to vaccines. They are called T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes. So T lymphocytes are actually the, 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 they're sort of the spies that figure out who the enemy is <laughs> and they see who the, the bad antigen is, the bad protein. And then they teach the B lymphocytes how to arm the artillery to knock it out. So the B lymphocytes are the ones that actually create the antibodies. And so this is a process that takes you between five and 10 days once you're exposed to an antigen. So the key elements of developing the vaccines is to, ha- is to get those T lymphocytes to recognize the bad guy and then as quickly as possible move that transmission to the B lymphocytes to create the tools that will actually fight off the, the virus. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the different vaccines use different mechanisms. So as mentioned, the messenger RNA vaccines actually get into your body and produce the antigen. In the the case of COVID, it's the spike protein, which is required for COVID to infect human cells. But there's other technologies. So we have the old technologies where you just take a virus and you kill it and you give that to a person. So there's lots of different antigens in that case. And then the different antigens are presented to the T lymphocytes. And they're not going to have just one precise bomb against the virus, but they're going to have a bunch of different antibodies that are created against the virus. And there's some debate about, is that better than being very, very tactical and just hitting that virus with the one thing? 
it gets even more complicated than that because actually the messenger RNA is coding for about two to five things. But I, I won't get into that okay. for this for this particular thing. Yeah, and it's a it's a, it's something called epitopes. So there's actually different sequences within one vaccine. But that's that's for that's, our advanced class. Way over. <laughs> yeah, that's for our advanced class. But getting back to the the more yeah. simple things. So then you can kill a virus and that can elicit it. And then we have something, for example, the Novavax uh, product that we work with here here in uh, Northeast Florida. And what that does is actually cr- uh, give person the spike protein that's genetically made. It's made you know, artificially through uh, actually uh, fireflies and all these different mechanisms that they've created to actually create things outside of the body. And then once you do that, you give something called an adjuvant that actually presents that antigen to the immune system in a way that allows a very low concentration of the antigen to elicit a very large immune response. So there's a lot of really cool technologies that have been developed over the last five years, and we, we actually have them in the market yeah. because of the work that Dr. Hilo and others here yeah. around the country have done. That's awesome. So the flu virus or the flu vaccine, they always said it contains parts of the flu. Well, there's many different um, flu vaccines, and the standard one that you're talking about is something that was known as the quadrivalent flu shots, and um, what they do is they grow different strains of the virus in eggs, and then um, from that, take the virus, and then kill it off a little bit and give it to you in a shot, and then there's ones that are grown um, in different kind of cultures rather than, like he was talking about, in a fly, not in an egg. And then um, other ones that they've kind of mixed up the components of it and, again, given it as egg-free. And one of the exciting things about COVID is we've learned so much about this technology where we can just, in a lab, um, make up just the messenger RNA so we don't actually have to give COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. or parts of COVID vaccine. We can give the body the recipe for the spike protein, the recipe for COVID, the recipe for flu, the recipe for RSV, put it in the body, and then the body makes that little component. It doesn't make the whole virus. It makes a little component that he was talking about that the T-cells can recognize as an enemy and activate the rest of the military Hmm. so that the next time they see this in actual virus form, lo and behold, they can activate and um, we can generate an immune response to this. And um, again, these technologies have been amazing to um, become part of. And some of that technology, like he was talking about, wasn't just the messenger RNA where you can tell the body to make it, but these important things called adjuvants, which are a compound that's hooked to whatever we're giving that helps it stay in the body a little longer. Sometimes it's something that tells the immune system, hey, you got to get turned on, and it excites the immune system so you develop better response. So um, uh, it's very exciting to me as somebody who's been in the pediatric world and very familiar with every way that you can make a vaccine and all of the good that has come out of vaccines. I'm old enough to re- you know, remember many diseases that we no longer even have because of great vaccines. Um, but every year we've had issues, especially in the pediatric patient population, um, with not having enough flu vaccine. And we've not had the flu vaccine because it's been growing in eggs. And we all know eggs contain salmonella. And lo and behold, these factories, one factory gets contaminated with salmonella, you got to shut the thing down. And now we're a year behind. Because unlike messenger RNA, which when you talked about mutations, we could change that messenger RNA in a moment's notice, basically. We can't do that with an egg that we've had to propagate and grow and now we've produced a vaccine as everybody's heard oh yeah we're producing with last year's virus 
Well, you have to do it with last year's virus because it takes a year plus to grow yeah, it. Yeah, so the manufacturing mm-hmm. process for messenger RNA vaccines is much more efficient. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Hila mentioned quadrivalent, just so everybody understands that. Quadrivalent means that there's four different strains of the virus that's being coded for. So uh, it, quadrivalent, quad means four, mm-hmm. and valent is the, t- the different strains. So just to be clear, so we, we, for example, a few years ago uh, over at the research office, we looked at trivalent versus quadrivalent flu vaccines. And the reason that has, has been important historically is because we just don't know what strain is going to hit. And as Dr. Hilo mentioned, when you're, when you're making vaccines in eggs, there's about a year and a half lead time to try to decide what strain is going to be in the vaccine when you actually have to use the drug, mm-hmm. use the product. So nowadays with this whole messenger RNA technology, we've accelerated that time process where we can literally respond to the newest strain within weeks. And we're doing that right now. We're doing studies right now with the, the, the latest and greatest strain of COVID uh, using messenger RNA technology. And this was a strain that wasn't even known to mankind three months ago. And we have a vaccine already. So this has accelerated and created efficiencies in the, in the vaccine uh, processing and ma- manufacturing processes. Yeah. Are flu vaccines only by shot? Or don't they have like a nasal one too? They do. Do you want to talk about that? It's all yours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like she said, there are um, flu vaccines. And what that is, is actually like he was talking about that they change it a little bit, that it's still alive, but it can't infect you to the degree that the regular flu vaccine can affect you. Um, It's in the nose. The beauty of it being in the nose is you get incredible protection because it is really the whole flu vaccine, like he talked about, um, all of the different components, not just as we've talked about the spike protein of COVID. Um, And so you get great response from that, and it's in the respiratory system. So those those areas of the body become very protected. And so since we know that the viruses come in that direction, we have protection right where yeah, it comes there's in. a little controversy about that. Yes. And I'm not, uh, I, don't, I don't know the data off the top of my head, but I know it's been discussed that maybe the nasal forms of vaccination aren't quite as effective as shots. So there's a, there's a little bit of a debate, but some, especially kids probably mm-hmm. kids. don't like shots. They like, don't like shots. Right. And that, yeah. that, that was one of the major motivating factors on creating that. I did some of the research with some of the nasal vaccines that, um, again, the motivating factor was the not wanting to have to get a shot. And it was good for, you know, early protection against the virus. But if the virus made it through those barriers, you didn't have as much body protection, if you will, um, to fight it off as you would if you gave a, a shot, is what some of the research that he's referring to yeah, and then, demonstrated. And, and then from a practical standpoint, as we know more and more about viruses, we have more and more means to protect people from them. Like, how many shots can we give people? Mm-hmm. Right. So as we said, there are literally dozens of viruses. Are we going to give dozens of shots? So the other way that the, the industry is moving is to combine things. So... I, probably in the near future, you'll get your COVID flu RSV shot every year. Mm-hmm. And that will be coated with uh, different valences. Uh, it probably it may be uh, pentavalent or it could be whatever the number is for 13. Yeah, right. <laughs> Trechodecaphobia <laughs> valence. Right. And, 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 and this is where things are going so that you're exposed ahead of time to the most likely candidates for any particular season. It's exciting well, with the new technologies. We know with the two extreme age groups in the pediatric patient population, we have a Prevnar vaccine, which is pneumococcal vaccine, and it has 13 strains in it. And then in the elderly patient population, you have the pneumococcal vaccine. Pneumococcal 13 has 13 strains. 
strains in it because we know the most common 13 strains. Uh, many of our viruses have many strains in them, um, and uh, HPV, human papillomavirus, same mm-hmm. thing. It's the most um, common. It was five, and now it's six, and they're doing studies on the eight most common, um, looking to prevent against um, um, female cancers. Yeah, this is starting to sound very complicated, so I think our next segment should go into personal strategies. So there's a take-home message for everybody. I'm your host, Michelle McCormick, and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of Evidence: The Truth Behind the Data.